It's time for All Hands on Tech. Climb on board as we explore all the amazing things happening in Nova Scotia's tech sector. Each episode, we'll chat with local experts to uncover the secrets of what makes Nova Scotia the best place for collaboration, innovation, and creativity. All Hands on Tech is proudly produced by Digital Nova Scotia, the industry association for Nova Scotia's growing tech sector. Have you got your ticket for Social Media Day yet? Atlantic Canada's premier social media marketing conference for small businesses is back on June 9th at Cineplex in Bears Lake. Learn from local experts and network with other small business owners. Tickets are available now at socialmediadayhalifax.com and if you're a Digital Nova Scotia member, be sure to ask us how to get your member discount. Welcome back to All Hands on Tech. I'm Claire. And I'm Ashley. Today's guest founded their company with a very simple goal, to improve lives and livelihoods in Atlantic Canada. Placemaking 4G set out to transform the region by helping organizations build a stronger and more inclusive teams through socially conscious recruiting. That's something that we care a lot about at Digital Nova Scotia. So we're super excited to have Placemaking 4G's co-founder and CEO, Matt Thompson, on the podcast here today to learn more about socially conscious recruiting, what it looks like in practice, and how it can be applied to industries. So thank you, Matt, for being here. Thank you so much for having me, everybody. It's an absolute <laughs> joy and a pleasure. Oh, yay. We're so happy that you're here and that we're having this conversation. I think that we should just start at the beginning before we get into some of our prepared questions. Talk to me about kind of how Placemaking 4G came to be. Mm, great question. And also, I'm just as we're talking about, I'm sure there's going to be like, and what the heck is socially conscious recruiting? Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess uh, we won't start at the very beginning, as 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 many of the people who might be listening who have heard us tell our stories. Sometimes we like to start at my origin story, and in, in, in outside of Montreal, sometimes we like to go seven generations back with okay. Bradley, my co-founder. But I guess I guess what I would talk to in this situation is um, the origin stories for P4G was really recognizing that there was an opportunity uh, to take something that wasn't working very well in Atlantic Canada and turn it on its head. So um, I found myself back here in Atlantic Canada in in the mid 20 teens. Um, looking to start a family, looking to, to, to feel impact in what I was doing because I found, I found myself working uh, in roles that I was able to excel at, but not necessarily anything that nourished me, nourished my soul in any way, uh, any way shape, or form. Uh, and Bradley Day, my uh, fellow co-founder and, and co-CEO, and Lauren Sears got together, and, and we recognized that there was an opportunity for us here to change the landscape when it came to recruiting. We were all high-performing individuals in our, our very, very different backgrounds that we had, but we'd been recruited multiple times, and it all felt so commodified. There was no equity within the process. Right. Um, there was everything was just felt like we were. Our experiences were that we felt like we were being chucked at a wall and see what sticks, kind of thing, from a resume perspective. Uh, and we recognized there was an opportunity to change that. There was very, very little focus on DEIB at the time as well, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And we recognized that we could change that by creating equitable and humanized processes. So one of the quotes we like to come back to is from the Ivany Report from 20. 17, 15, 14, from the 20 teens. Uh, and, and, and that quote was, uh, Nova Scotia's at a crossroads and the only certainty is the status quo is not an option. And that really hit home for us. And we recognized, well, let's do something about this. And 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 obviously y'all did as well, because I don't think digital Nova Scotia was a thing back then. And if it was, it's definitely expanded since then to mm -hmm. be able to expand our digital footprint here in, in Atlantic Canada and in Halifax. Um, so anyway, so we decided to do something about this. We decided to launch a recruiting firm. We decided to do something that created a humanized and authentic connection in interacting 
um, with individuals, with candidates, and with organizations to create, obviously, a, a just a really wholesome experience that allowed for retention, that allowed for people to be their authentic selves. And you know what it, what it said on our opportunity briefs from the very beginning is don't be generic, be yourself. So that's kind of the very, very beginning uh, that, that started this whole socially conscious recruiting journey. Um, so you know, three knuckleheads with no recruiting mm-hmm. background that started something is basically the, 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 the short version of it. Okay. Well, I'm super excited to learn more about kind of what that looks like in practice because it sounds really great. But before we get there, we do have some fun rapid fire questions to get to know you just a little bit better. So I'll start us off. This one is maybe easy. I don't know. In-person interview or virtual? Oh, both. It depends. That's a really tough question. I know this okay. is rapid fire, but I'll no, give, no, no. I'll give some like context. No, no, no. We like if you elaborate. It's so, uh, so in-person interviews are really, really fun. Um, they do take a completely different amount of energy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, especially coming through through and out of the pandemic, I say out of the pandemic, hopefully somewhat. Um, but as, as we've navigated our way through, I'll say that sitting down for in-person interviews has been incredibly rewarding, but you finish the day so drained because it's a completely different level of energy management. There is a comfort level with virtual interviews that make things quite a bit easier in certain situations. You can accommodate folks in in their own backyard, in their own living room with their children. Um, That mute button when you have to lean over to cough or do whatever is is a really, really (laughs) valuable thing as well. And you can't have that in person. So I'm going to say both. It depends on the situation. Next question. Okay. Next question. Move along. (laughs) Okay. This one, a little different style. Apple Music or Spotify? Spotify. Okay. Big playlist guy? I'm a big playlist guy. Music is a soundtrack to my life, just in general. Very, very broad. I, I, there's nothing I don't listen to, and I'm just... It's the sound, I almost took musical therapy in university. That's a long wow. story. I did not. Um, but, uh, <laughs> on next episode. <laughs> on next episode. Stay tuned for it. Um, but I honestly, I wouldn't even know how to work Apple Music, so Spotify. Okay. Don't sue me, Apple. <laughs> Guilty pleasure TV show. Well, we were just talking about Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, so, I don't, I'm not, but I'm not guilty about it. I'm really yeah. not. I just, I love that show. So guilty pleasure TV show. I'll say I've never watched it, but I'll speak on behalf of my family. My nine, my seven, and my four-year-old all love backyard builds on HGTV. <laughs> so I'll, I'll speak on behalf of them. Okay. Don't pin it on them. We know you watch. <laughs> if I've honestly <laughs> never so seen it, I wouldn't be able to tell you which one it is, but I like all the other ones. Oh, okay. Change my answer. Um, um, Canada's... Ultimate Challenge, I think, is a CBC show, and it features a couple folks from Nova Scotia, actually. A, a, oh. a good friend of mine, um, Skyler's on it, and uh, the guy who, Purple Cow guy from down in the valley is on it okay. as well, yeah. or down in, on the South internet? Shore. Great yeah. internet. I got yeah. Purple Cow. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's in the final two teams that I've seen. But anyway, oh, so I'm really it. into that show, as are the, the kids as well. So new answer, Canada's Ultimate Challenge. Okay. Next question. Well, that was a whirlwind. <laughs> <laughs> Glad we got there, though. <laughs> Uh, we only have one more. Uh, okay, your initial thoughts when you won Halifax Chamber Small Business of the Year Award. When they called your name, what went through your head? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, it was uh, shock. Yeah. It was shock, disbelief, a huge amount of humility. We had made the decision to not have a Christmas party this past December, and we instead we just brought our whole team. So we had three tables at the Chamber Awards because we wanted to share just the overall experience with our whole team. And I was so, so humbled to be able to share in that moment with our whole team and their partners. Um, it was just really, really special. What a good idea. Yeah, that's so that. fun. It was such a fun event, too. It was great. We were just talking uh, before we started recording about your sparkly suit. So that will go down in history. <laughs> it will go down in history. And and it also 
is it remains a big part of my life. I've only ever worn it that one time. <laughs> However, everything in my closet now looks like it was subject to a glitter bomb because oh, no. all of the glitter that was on that jacket <laughs> is now on everything. So it's uh, just a little bit of sp- sprinkling every of the day, chamber awards every day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you really will never forget. Exactly. It won't let you. <laughs> uh. By the way, I just want to go back. That was a whirlwind, but I'm glad we got there. I, that's now it just in my head. That could be the that could be the soundtrack to my life. Well, this this should be the title of this episode for sure. I love it. Amazing. Okay, so we've already kind of got the background on where placemaking 4G came from, but maybe you know what exactly do you do? We know you do socially conscious recruiting, but what does that look like in terms of like what you do for your clients? Mm, great question. Uh, and something that continues to evolve today. I guess ultimately the way that I would boil down socially conscious recruiting is we take a real humanized approach to creating authentic and intentional connections with our candidates and with our clients. So from a recruiting perspective, it starts with just real one-on-one conversations with members of organizations, getting to know where they're at, where, what they're doing well, what they're not doing well. Are they, cre- are they creating space? Are they evolving? Um, do they create healthy, safe work environments? Do they prioritize diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging within their workspaces? All these things are part of the connection and the conversation we have with our clients uh, in order to then go out to the market uh, and be able to interact with. We, we, we read every resume, every cover letter that we get in, in-house, and we also target individuals directly as well. So numerous conversations um, that lead to ultimately great success when it comes to not only um, impact, but also people feeling like I think I think the best way I can put it is leaving conversations with our team um, is our goal is to make sure that you feel like you've been seen and you've been heard. And whether or not you're a candidate, whether or not you're a successful candidate, and ultimately getting the role or whether or not you're somebody who's just providing their perspective on what we need in a role uh, representing an organization. That's what our goal is from a recruiting perspective. And we've been able to evolve that and, and be able to uh, have it be a, a, a process that's now been adopted by multiple organizations um, and clients of ours across the country, which has been really special. But it's not just socially recruiting or socially conscious recruiting. We recognize quite early on, we have a very high percentage. So over 70% of individuals that are placed uh, in, within our last 50 searches, we keep track on a running tally, um, are from equity deserving groups. They represent equity deserving groups. And we recognize that there was a responsibility upon us to say, what type of environment are these folks walking into? So uh, we branched out and we've, we've been able to offer pardon me, increasingly, a great opportunity for organizations to create a space of belonging within their, within their environment, a safer work, workspace. You can never attain safe. We always like to say safer in that space. So we also do a huge amount of, of, of workshops, of strategic kind of consultation from a DEIB perspective to be able to support organizations on their journey, whether it's providing tech solutions to be able to have a learn, learn at your own pace uh, um, opportunity or whether it's providing in, in-house hands-on workshops or speaking engagements, we do that as well. Um, and we also have a, a cool whole tech chapter that we can talk about. At, we'll, we'll leave that be the Easter egg at the end of this episode, <laughs> so you have to listen to the very end. Okay. So uh, just to follow up on that answer, do you have certain only certain companies that you will recruit for? Or do you have some companies you won't recruit for? Because you want it to be a good culture fit, right? You, you want their their values to be, you know, somewhat aligned with your values and who you're trying to to place in the organization. So how does that work? 
Absolutely. So that's a great question. And it was actually, I was listening to one of your previous episodes and we're just talking a lot about that values alignment component, how important that is. And that really is what we prioritize. Values alignment and cultural contribution. I'll just shift that word a little bit. Right. We like to refer to fit as the F word. We do a whole talk <laughs> on it. But basically, because when you recruit for fit, sometimes you really try to fit somebody within that box and you're really playing into everybody's unconscious biases. We all have biases. And when you're recruiting for fit, you can't help but fall into that. There's a bunch of stats and data on that. But we like to, to refer to cultural contribution within that space. Right. So to get to your specific answer in a in however you said at the beginning... <laughs> <laughs> a very long and convoluted way. Um, I'll say we early on and partially driven by ego, we really liked working with organizations who got us, who understood where we were, who were, you know, dare I say, further along in their journey when it comes to recognizing the importance of creating spaces of belonging, of creating safer spaces. And frankly, it was easier. And we were like, oh, we don't want to associate our brand with organizations who may not get it, who may not be at that yeah, space. Yeah, totally. But as we've been able to grow and build and grow our team, we've recognized that th sometimes those are the organizations that meet, need us most, mm -hmm. right. that need us most to be able to work with them in that space. So we will never turn down a, a, a client you know, at the, at the very onset. We will absolutely challenge and continue to do that. We like to say, you know, we'll be your best friend and your best friend is willing to risk the friendship. So once we have those conversations with right holders within the organization that we call cultural snapshots, We'll circle back and we'll say, hey, here's what we're hearing and here's what's not going well within the organization. That can be a great learning moment um, and it can be a great opportunity for them to kind of improve and and build and grow from there um, and to have real honest conversations with their staff as well. So the short answer is we will not turn down an opportunity to be able to create impact um, and that that would be it, I guess. Yeah, and then the thing is, is if a company is wanting like to work with P4G, then they're wanting to do it the socially conscious way, right? So, I mean, maybe that is kind of an indication that they're taking a step in the right direction if they weren't doing it the, that way before. Yeah, I think um, at the highest level, I'd say you're mostly right. Okay. <laughs> I think that as as we've done some really great work, shout out, to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Patrick and shout out to our whole tech team. Like we've done some really good job on SEO and and, and so, if, you know, you can just type in recruiting Halifax and we'll be, I don't know if we're on the first page or somewhere, but we, mm. we've gotten people uh, reach out to us and organizations reach out to us who are very much looking for a little bit more of that cookie cutter approach. Mm. And I won't, I won't get into that too, too much because sure. it's, it's just not necessarily something that we thrive at and it's not, it, that's not the value that we provide. So right. we absolutely have had that, you know, outreach in the past and we try to gently navigate that conversation towards what we do. And if not, we're very happy to not engage with an organization um, if we feel like we can't provide the value that we can. Mm -hmm. Okay. That was such a nice answer. I was looking for yeah. tea. <laughs> You're looking for tea? <laughs> For the gossip, you know? Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. I get it. I get it. Okay. No, I'm that's there. great, though. But I feel like, you know, with any business, it has to be, a, well, it doesn't have to be, but it always helps when it's a really good fit. So I think that's great that you are true to your values and, and look for great partners. But, you know, I've had this conversation because the culture fit, and, you know, you said the F word, it's come up a lot recently. And... I think I'm not in recruiting, but I think that if you're looking for a particular person, it can be exclusive. Like it could be doing the opposite of what you're looking for sometimes. I don't know. Maybe. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I mean, a hundred percent kind of <laughs> because yeah. because I think you finished that question with saying it's the opposite of what you're looking for, which is not the case. Um, if you're looking for something specific, you're looking for a fit, then uh, you then you're, you, you'll find exactly what you're looking for if you're looking right. for a fit. However, 
you need to change your perspective as to what it is that your team needs and what it is that, that you need as an organization. So without going into to like all the specifics and all the data, we just gave a talk um, last week for Museums Canada and it was called uh, Change Your Language, Change Your Perspective. And um, and ultimately, we use an example from uh, that we took from Forbes um, that uh, they use an example from Facebook. And early on, in the in, again in the mid twenty teens, it's all just a blur now. <laughs> Facebook um, disallowed the use culture fit when it came to middle management reports as to whether or not why they were not choosing to engage or hire certain candidates. Oh. They said you have to use an actual descriptive language why this person will not be able to contribute to our team, why this mm-hmm. people why the why why these individuals aren't able to align to it, and just that fact embedded with them uh, within them a uh, a shift in their mindset that saw every notable um, representation category rise significantly to the tune of you know the 200 percent more representation from black employees at the senior and leadership level just because it wasn't just the 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 use of the term fit but it was the concept and the context of fit Mm -hmm. and once you remove that you were able to have a lot more not only representation, but also just uh, an opportunity for people to be able to expand and grow within those organizations. Now, you know, the whole concept of being able to continue to cultivate a culture of belonging and safety is is a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. This is just from a representation and just from a let's get there perspective. But it does have a really, really big impact. That's a crazy stat. That is crazy. It's wild. Yeah. yeah. Wow. OK. That's why we call it the F word. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Okay, so let's get a little bit more techy. Uh, we're hearing headlines every day about AI and ChatGPT. So how do you go about centering the human in a workforce that is quickly embracing automation? And of course, why is that important? Mm, great question. <laughs> and so I will give the asterisk to this is that I have not myself actually gone in and played with ChatGPT, but I've been a part of multiple groups of individuals who have and i've seen the ai rendering of myself having done it and it's not oh, great spooky. so we're so so we're not going to get into that component but um i think that there's a there's an opportunity i think two or three years ago i was giving a talk at uh, Sobe school of business and it was about future proofing your career and i came after somebody who was talking about ai specifically and um, I took a very, very opposite approach, not to say that AI isn't here, because I think it's undeniable that it is. I, I, I've got you know some stats in front of me here, and you can just reference the RBC Humans Wanted report that references that over 25% of, of roles um, currently within the marketplace will be heavily disrupted by tech, right? So it's a reality that it's mm-hmm. here, but there's a difference between heavily disrupted and eliminated there's a difference you know it, it, it really does depend on whether or not you take a scarcity mindset or whether you actually take a mindset to, to say you know what let's be abundant about this and how we can create this and what we can do so my context for that conversation um, with with students was what AI will never be able to do is to have your thoughts feelings perspective brought to the table so the best way to future-proof your career as an individual is to not try to be a robot and not try to assimilate, not try to fit, understand who you are, give yourself an opportunity to understand who you are and go on your own journey to recognize that you can provide that to your employer, to your relationships, to yourself as you build and grow as an individual. So one of my one of my colleagues, uh, Margaret Schwartz, recently, uh, she's, she's really into to creative writing and she felt some fear around chat GPT, around AI, and went through a process where she said, okay, what can and can't 
AI ChatGPT do for us here? What it can do is it can, you know, it can be efficient. It can, it can really help disrupt and it can help create space, space and time, right? But what it can't do is understand context. Context is my favorite word. Uh, it can't understand context. It can't, it can't read underlying themes. It can't necessarily provide that human experience from that perspective. So how do we incorporate that into like actual tangible ways that, that we do work? So we always talk about how it's the balance between tech and touch that's most important. So we've built our own ATS, which is an applicant tracking system that allows for us to take on a lot of the mundane tasks, or sorry, it allows for the, the ATS to take on a lot of the mundane tasks when it comes to um, uh, our, just the efficiency of our day-to-day. But what we want to do is to incorporate as much human connection as we possibly can within that process, which is that balance for that touch component, right? So what that means is, as I mentioned, every single resume, every cover letter is read by human eyes in what we do. You see headlines from you know, zip recruiter CEOs and whatnot that are saying, it doesn't matter what's in your resume or cover letter, you have to have these keywords because that's what's skimming it. We don't do that mm-hmm. because we believe that there's actually so much more to humanity than what your cover letter, or, or sorry, what your resume says, which keywords are being picked up and flagged mm-hmm. um, through that space. What it also does for us is it allows for us to have time and space created from efficiency to be able to spend time together. So those one-on-one conversations I referenced earlier with 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 uh, uh, represent representatives from employers, those one-on-one conversations with candidates, we have numerous pre-screen conversations with, you know, 10 to 15 candidates per role, which is, uh, you know, an hour spent just getting to know you. Let's spend some time being feel, feeling seen and heard. You can't get that through that space. So we're really leaning into what we do best and incorporating tech in the best way that we know how to allow for it to do what it does best. I love that. I feel like if anything, it you know, it um, it reinforces what you're looking for in people. You know, their individuality. Um, that's awesome. I love that. I love that spin on it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because it is. It's yeah. it's it's easy to be scared by it too, right? Like yeah. I, you know, I was saying I don't even know how Apple Music works. Like <laughs> I, like I'm not by any means. I'm I'm not a tech expert. And this is why I'm on this podcast. But I think that it's really important to recognize this where we are. You know, you've heard, you know, Don Bureau talk about the the next industrial revolution that's upon us for the last few years and whatnot. And it's the reality of what we're doing. And it can be an amazing tool if utilized correctly. I, you know, the example I'll use personally is I'm not a huge fan of social media. Like I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm not really on Instagram. I'm not really on Facebook. Obviously, this is like such dumbing down tech so much to be able to be like, that's my version of tech. But it doesn't feed me. It doesn't feed my soul. And it right. tends to, it, and, it, and it can have a net negative effect on me. So what, what my journey is, is to try to figure out how, how can I utilize the platforms that work best with me to be able to amplify the message and amplify the impact that I'm looking to create. Um, and that's kind of what we're looking to accomplish within our organization um, in incorporating tech into that too. And I, there's other opportunities as well. So for instance, within our consulting division and what we do from a diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging consulting, sometimes one-on-one consulting is needed. Sometimes workshops are needed. Now workshops can max out at you know, 30, 35, 40 people. You, know, you can do a keynote for multiple people as well, but those are far less interactive. And sometimes people need to lean need to learn at their own pace. So we've also created an opportunity for people to, uh, to, to, to do that through that learning module that we've created, which is called uh, Foundations of Belonging. And it allows for individuals to incorporate tech at their own pace, learn at their own pace, and, and build and grow as individuals on their journey of diversity, equity, inclusion at their own pace and not necessarily having to, to um, 
sit through, you know, workshops or multiple workshops if, mm-hmm. to, to get all, <laughs> if you were to, if you were to calculate all the time together, it'd be a lot. Yeah. I do just want to ask a question because you mentioned it a few times and I don't think for some people listening, maybe that they would, they fully grasp what like belonging means because we see DEI a lot, but we don't often see the belonging associated with it. So maybe can you kind of explain what that, what that looks like and what that means? Mm. I absolutely would love to. So um, the best way to put it, so what I, what we've said so far is we've talked quite a bit about the recruiting component, and that's really kind of our origin story as an organization. And uh, our, our our wonderful human being, Kaylee Hake, who heads up our communications and strategy, recently put it best and said, so basically what we do is build and belong. So build is you're building your team. You're building, you're, you're doing that recruitment component. Belonging is everything else that's incorporated in that. It's creating that culture within your organization to be able to feel like individuals can thrive because ultimately that's what allows for thriving. That's what allows for individuals to contribute to your culture, to your organization, to your bottom line long-term. Mm-hmm. So so the, the concept of belonging is probably best felt and not explained, but is something that is very important for us when you know, you know we, we use the acronym and there's many acronyms out there and this might change. Like, you know, sometimes we use the acronym JEDI when it comes to, um, to, to uh, justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, um, in this case, I'm using diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging because belonging, um, in our mind, can really be all-encompassing within that journey, within that sphere. Okay, thank you. How do you create um, belonging at P4G? Mm. <laughs> well, um, thanks to all the new tech that we've adopted, we have all <laughs> kinds of time to create belonging. Um, I'm reminded of a quote by Ted Lasso, uh, which is, be curious, not judgmental. It's actually by... Walt Whitman, but it's attributed to Ted Lasso, so I'll run with that. Um, I'm also reminded of a quote by John Kabat-Zinn in this moment, which is, it's important to step out of the endless river of doing to sit in the pool of being. And we create space for people to be seen and heard in a couple different ways, and it starts with being intentional. So we have intentional times every Wednesday morning at 8.30, tomorrow morning, um, we're going to sit down and we have what's called a head-heart check-in. So individuals have an opportunity as a whole team to sit down and to express what's on their head, what's on their heart, how they're feeling beyond beyond work. You know, it, it could be work related. We've had people share, you know, we just bought a house. We've had people share um, uh, some really fantastic news in their life. And we've also had people share some real traumatic experiences in their in their spaces. We've had people share, you know, deaths of loved ones and, and kind of mourn together and grieve together in that space. And it's amazing what can happen when you just hold space intentionally for people to be themselves and, and to, to, to just express who they are. Now, it's also really important to state two things. One, this is what works for us. We also work within the human dynamics, human resources field. We have quite a few people that really kind of delve into that feel side of things, right? Um, so it, this is what works for us as a team. It may not be universally adaptable. The other thing that I'll mention as well is it's really important when you are holding space within the, within that type of context to say and to not have expectations for everybody to share or for everybody to share, for anybody to share every week. Sometimes people will say, you know what, I'm just here to listen today. I don't have it in me to share in this space. And that's okay. As a leader, it can sometimes be hard. You can say, you know, you, you need, should be participating in this. You should be providing your perspective. But if I'm being authentic and if, if, if I feel safe enough to say that, you know what, I'm just here to listen and to rejoice in everybody else's joy and to uh, celebrate or to mourn together, um, 
I don't feel like I need to share in this space. You need to be okay with that. So that's kind of one tiny microcosm of an example. But the other example that, you know, we were chatting about it just off mic earlier about uh, being curious, right? Be curious, not judgmental. So for three years now, um, we've been practicing Ramadan. Ramadan is an incredible um, it, 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 it's, it's taught me so much about my body, about my community, about the universal community out there that's able to share in this wonderful thing together, which it goes far beyond fasting. There's huge amount of donations. There's a huge amount of community togetherness that happens. We get to share iftar every evening. I could tell you what I had last night down <laughs> to the T. Um, but ultimately what boils down to is I've been welcomed into this wonderful community to be able to participate in Ramadan. So I'm fasting currently as we're having this podcast. Um, and what that does is it can have an impact on individuals who feel seen and heard in that space, right? So one of our employees recently shared with us, she recently bought a house and she said, when we were starting this journey, my husband was talking, you know, should we potentially be looking at a bigger market? Should we be looking at Toronto? Should we be looking somewhere else? I feel like I just said Toronto. Should we look, <laughs> looking looking at a different market? Um, and she very um, overtly said, this is where I live and this is where my team is. And that sentiment to to buy that house, to to, to put down roots here as a, as a new Canadian and to bring her family here, to have her family come to functions with us is because of things like the head heart. It's because of things like being seen and heard and and practicing Ramadan together and and sharing iftar texts together every time we 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 break bread in the evening and whatnot. Um, so it's a kind of an all encompassing thing, but it just comes down to really being intentional about creating that space. That's so lovely. That is so lovely. <laughs> I'm like getting emotional over here, but really, it sounds so nice, and it, you got a good team. So, um, and I like that you kind of prefaced it by saying, like, obviously, that's not for for everyone, because I'm thinking of obviously some bigger organizations where maybe that wouldn't work. But it's not a one size fits all approach. Has your team always been fully remote, or did you have to shift some of these things, the ways you interact with your team because of the pandemic or since the pandemic? We've shifted. Yeah. So I, I think it's. I guess the short answer is we shifted. I mean, we we had a co-working space just down the street from here, actually. We worked out of the Common Good Solutions offices mm-hmm. previously and uh, had an opportunity to share desks and conversation and, and, and chat about the latest episode of whatever over the, over the water cooler and whatnot. Um, and that was a really wonderful experience. Now, the reason I kind of put a little asterisk on my answer is that, you know, pre-pandemic, we were a full-time team of three and we're 13 now. Okay. So Different. there was a there was a large evolution that happened over the course of the pandemic, during which time we were entirely remote. So we've been able to incorporate some of those things that I mentioned, whether it's you know the head heart and whether you know there's a couple other things as well. One of the really easy things is sharing high fives. Every team gathering you have, create an opportunity for people to share high fives. Not an expectation, an opportunity because. You know, if people are only getting um, a high five celebration or feedback in performance reviews, um, it doesn't feel great, especially if you're only doing those annually. But if mm-hmm. you can say, hey, you know what? You really showed up for me the other day. Big old high five to you. I gave Margaret Schwartz a huge high five for sitting down with me pre-podcast um, yesterday to say, hey, sometimes your answers can be a little bit rambly. You should probably try <laughs> to keep them tight. So let's see if, if there's anything that we can kind of consolidate here. Huge high five to you, Margaret Schwartz. I'm giving you air high five here now. Um, but but it's, a, it's a tiny little thing that actually, you know, you look at some Deloitte studies and it creates that sense of belonging. That's a that's an example you can do virtually. And when you're in person, it feels so good to high five and actually 
get that actual smack. It's beautiful. <laughs> but when you, when you can share those virtually, those little moments of recognition can really pile up and can lead to, uh, you know, retention and can really lead to people feeling very, not rewarded, that's not the word, but feeling very um, uh, recognized. Appreciated. Yeah, yeah, appreciated, recognized, mm-hmm. appreciated for the work that they do and for those small little things that happen each and every day. Mm-hmm. I agree. I mean, I think I'm a person who really kind of needs that. I hate to say it because I don't want to say I need it. But, you know, it is good just to have that reinforcement, I guess. You know? Well, can can I, at the risk of oh, hitting the mic, it. can I give you a high five? Oh, there we go. Thank you. So I'm going to give you a high five, <laughs> but I'm going to contextualize it because that's my favorite word. <laughs> um, and it's what AI hey, can't do. But um, I'm going to give you a high five for saying that because that's a vulnerable thing to say. Hey, I like being told good job. We all want to be like, no, I, I don't need, I don't yeah. do it for, I just do it for the love of the game. That's why <laughs> I do it. But sometimes it feels really good and it's important to recognize that. So high five for your vulnerability Thank you. there. Thank you. Aww. I also Aww. feel like it makes you, it reminds you that you're like part of something bigger. You're part of a team, you know, you're contributing to something. So yeah. that recognition that, you know, all that work you're you're doing actually is, you know, part of something bigger than that so and it's so easy to feel isolated when you're working Mm -hmm. remotely right as somebody who has a nine-year-old a seven-year-old and a (laughs) four-year-old i can tell you that sometimes that family dynamic is kind of all the energy i can muster and 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 it's really hard to visualize being in the same room as some of those little boxes on my screen when we're having a team call so it's just those little moments those little reminders can be really really impactful yeah nice Okay, well, we're at the last question, and um, I'm not sure it's really a question, but, you know, the floor is yours. Is there anything exciting coming up at P4G that you would like to share? Oh, yes. <laughs> so many things. That you can share. That I can share. Okay, <laughs> there we go. That's a, there, there's a better one. We're all under NDA right now. Um, so I guess, so the, the first thing I would say is... Uh, from a tech perspective, oh, because I led with that. I should probably, I, I mentioned it earlier, so I'll, I'll wrap that up now. We have an incredible tech team that works with us, um, and we've been able to help pioneer a really cool um, job searching platform, for the lack of a better term, that's allowed for individuals who work with, um, as job developers with individuals with intellectual disabilities in the Ontario market to help create an opportunity for them to be matched with employers. Um, they, they're previously the systems that that they would have utilized haven't necessarily been overly efficient, um, and it's not necessarily something that falls into play when it comes to being able to maximize the impact we can have with um, individuals who are looking for 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 that level of employment, but do have those barriers to employment, including intellectual disabilities. So we've been able to build and grow a product with them called My Job Match. Um, and that's been a really wonderful project that we've been partnering with our partners in in, in Toronto um, called Community Living Toronto. We were a year into that project now, and I, the next year is a little bit in doubt, but but uh, I can't say too much. Okay. But uh, stay tuned, we'll and I'm bringing it up for a reason. <laughs> um, so so it's really quite exciting to be able to have an impact on that tech space where it's literally all of what we talked about. What we're putting into that project is a, uh, is a, is that blend of tech and touch. Is that opportunity for people to create connection? Is that opportunity to come back to our purpose statement as an organization, which is equitable access to prosperity? That's how we make every decision we make, regardless of the line of business that we're working in. It does it come back to that, and in that situation, it absolutely is, which is really cool. Um, we're also continuing to build out that diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging side of what we do, um, because ultimately. The phone is ringing constantly for that level of work, and our 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 clients that are working with us from a recruiting perspective 
are very interested in being able to engage in an intentional way moving forward as well. So we've been able to build and grow on that front as well and continue to do so. Um, we're very, very humbled to be able to be launching this new learning platform that I mentioned, uh, which is called Foundations of Belonging. Um, there we go. There's probably a definition of belonging right in there. <laughs> but uh, for an opportunity for employers, big or small, to be able to incorporate a uh, learning management system into their day-to-day -day activities to be able to really get a foundation and help propel them on their journey towards belonging. You get to understand and learn some really interesting concepts in that. That was a great team effort and partnership with the Nova Scotia Career Development Association. Um, and uh, I don't know, just day-to-day -day awesomeness. We get to live this wonderful mm -hmm. life that we, that we get to live and every day, regardless of the challenges, is just an opportunity to learn and grow. So that's kind of what I'm excited about as a, as a, as a human. I did promise a board that I'm on that I would mention that uh, that, that, that board that I'm on called Just Good Business is very interested in being able to promote some of what we're talking about today. But I, like, it's crazy that we get this far into the into the podcast and not mention that we're a social enterprise. So uh, we used to lead with that. And uh, and then we recognized we had a lot of glassed over eyes that were like, OK, cool. See you never. Like, have fun having impact. And <laughs> so we started creating actual business impact and what we're doing and leading with that and then coming back to the social enterprise component but it's it's so core to who we are you know i talk about our purpose as an organization equitable access to prosperity i talk about our, our the fact that we're a social enterprise so we're actually a community interest company here in nova scotia and really proud to say that last year um, you know we're mandated to reinvest 60 percent of profits into our our, our mission statement our, our, our core kind of community statement which is equitable access to prosperity um, and and we're able to to, to put together a twenty thousand uh, dollar kind of fund this year that we're that we're currently in the process of distributing to be able to have that impact it's small it's not but you know we've been around for for six years and we've been able to grow and, and build and get to that point where you know I hope in in the next couple of years we're able to talk about hundreds of thousands of yeah. dollars to be able to in that be in that space. But I guess the, the, the reason I bring that up is to say that regardless of what level of business, business you're at, whether you're a two-person organization, whether you're a 200-person organization, 2,000-person organization, there's never... There, there's never too much social impact that you can have or, or, or and, and there's always an opportunity for you to incorporate a social enterprising strategy into what you do each and every day. And that's something that we've been able to do and lead with as an organization. You know, that board's uh, just good business uh, that I'm on is a it, uh, is a huge proponent of that because ultimately it really is just good business. It can lead to retention, lead to healthy communities and lead to a healthier Atlantic Canada, a healthier Nova Scotia, a healthier Halifax. Which is what we all want. There you go. Thank you so much for being here today. I know you're busy. You've got three kids at home. You're an entrepreneur. So we really appreciate your time. Well, thank you. This has been an absolute joy and can't wait to come back for, I forget what we what we were teasing for the next episode, but we'll come back for that at some <laughs> I point. I think there's sure. many. There's so many at this point. Ted Lasso? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll just come back. This, welcome back to Ted Lasso with Digital Nova Scotia. No, thank you so much. It's thank been an absolute pleasure. And thanks for all that you folks do. Amplifying voices in this way is so, so, so critical. So thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to All Hands on Tech. Interested in learning more? Visit us on our website at www.digitalnovascotia.com. We'll see you next time. This has been a Podstarter production. production.